It's great to be with you uh, this afternoon uh, to talk about this important subject of caring for and shepherding missionaries. Uh, it's been said that the spirit of, mission of, of Christ is the spirit of missions, and the nearer we get to him, the more intensely missionary we become. And I believe we're all here today because we love missions, and we love missions because we love Christ. And because we love both Christ and missions, we love those that God sends around the world to declare his glory amongst the nations. Uh, this subject uh, is a subject that's very near and dear to my heart uh, because of the great need that we've seen around the world and even in our own ministry for missionaries to be shepherded in a way that honors God and, and, and glorifies him. And I really believe that the extent to which a church shepherds its missionaries uh, in, in great measure is the extent to which it either succeeds or fails in fulfilling the Great Commission. Uh, we've seen missionaries fail and succeed oftentimes uh, directly because of a, a lack of shepherding or, a, uh, or of loving care that they receive from their, from their sending churches. In fact, uh, this past year we've witnessed it in our, in our own field. Uh, there's uh, two missionary families that we've worked with closely the last couple years. And a year ago at missions conference, I actually called their missions pastor and I encouraged him to come to the Czech Republic with another elder and to spend a couple days with these families, you know, working through layers of issues. And the response to the missions pastor was that, you know, they would try a Skype call. And unfortunately, the result was is that one of the missionaries left the field from what was easily resolvable challenges that they were experiencing, things that every missionary experiences. But unfortunately, because of their failure of their sending church one we lost a family from the from the field who was one of our most evangelistic uh, families and the one family that was left wounded and left behind uh, he wrote to me not long ago and said lance he said we resemble uriah the hittite who was sent into the front lines of the raging battle while his leaders or senders drew back and left left him to die in combat and uh, unfortunately that's how they felt and that's what it appeared to be but research has shown that 71% of missionaries who leave the field leave for preventable reasons. And I hope our time uh, together this afternoon will help prevent more casualties on the mission field. Uh, we've also seen a lack of shepherding reflected in the amount of work and the type of work that missionaries are doing on the field. I mean, I can't count the number of families we've seen over the years that really are just floundering. Uh, you talk to them, and there's no discernible ministry that they do on a daily basis. Uh, you wonder sometimes what they do when they wake up each morning. Uh, we've seen lots of families just get sucked into living a cross-cultural life. Uh, they maybe teach English a couple hours a week. Uh, maybe a lot of men are homeschooling their kids uh, with their wives. Uh, maybe they teach a Bible study every couple weeks. And so I really don't know what they do with the bulk of their time. But, you know, if they're, if they're not shepherded, their missionaries aren't holding them accountable, not asking them questions, then that can easily happen. And we've seen it over and over again. And yet, you know, they're sending them and supporting churches, keep sending them the checks, thinking and assuming everything's all right because they get a newsletter every few, every few months. Uh, but we, we need to be discerning as, as churches, sending churches, supporting churches, and really take time to hold our missionaries accountable and encourage them in their ministries. We've also seen missionaries come home from the field on furlough for a time of maybe refreshment or to visit their supporting sending churches, only to suffer exhaustion, to be discouraged, uh, and to some degree experience depression and loneliness because the lack of care, the lack of interest from their sending and supporting churches. Uh, I can share stories of missionaries that were home for many months before anybody asked them to share about their ministry or asked them to teach or preach or before an elder or a pastor spent time with them. And of course, that's unacceptable, but it's not uncommon. And so these are just some ways that we've seen a lack of shepherding really impact the lives of missionaries and actually their effectiveness on the field. And as one of the earlier seminars was on pre-field training, I mean, effective missionary ministry really begins with pre-field training. The church's first responsibility in shepherding their missionaries is, first of all, to only send and support those who have been thoroughly trained and are, who are qualified for overseas ministry. Any missionary who is sent to the field without adequate preparation will require more time, more care, more attention, and direction than those who go to the field well-equipped. 
And so for the purposes of our seminar, we just assume that that is the case, that you're, we're talking about missionaries who have been well-equipped. Uh, but we also recognize, gratefully, that there are churches who do care and shepherd, for their, shepherd their missionaries, uh, and they do a great job of that. But in this seminar, we want to help those churches who maybe need help or encouraging or strengthening to bring to light some areas uh, of missionary life uh, that maybe churches often don't consider or maybe don't understand. And so I've, I've listed uh, several ways by way of introduction of ways that missionaries have shared with us or we've experienced uh, discouragement. And I have lots of lists in your handout, and there's no way I have time to talk about every single one. So I'll just pick out selected ones in, in each of the lists, but I wanted you to have something you can take home as an elder board or as a missions committee or as members of the church to think about, pray through together, and, and plan out your missionary uh, ministry. But missionaries have been discouraged be because their churches share with them, you know, we don't even pray for you. Uh, missionaries have been discouraged because uh, they're sending and supporting churches, never visit them, maybe don't even send a short-term team. Uh, they never respond to his newsletters or communicate with him. When he does come home, he's given five, maybe max ten minutes to share his ministry, you know, to share four years of ministry in five, ten minutes. Uh, or maybe if they do ask him to share, it's only on a Sunday night when maybe 25, 30 percent of the people are, are present. Also, missionaries have greatly been discouraged when they come home and their pastors and elders won't even spend time with them or include them. Uh, there's many ways uh, that missionaries are discouraged, and you can read these at home, but all of these are avoidable. All of these ways of, of discouraging your missionary are avoidable. <coughs> and so, but the question is, for this seminar, is what can churches do to lovingly, lovingly shepherd, hold accountable, and encourage their missionaries once they're on the field? And so, uh, basically, I have three steps laid out here for how your local church uh, can shepherd their missionary in a way that glorifies God and enhances their effectiveness in ministry. Uh, the first step is, first of all, to accept your responsibility as a church to care for and shepherd your missionaries. Second of all is to assess your missionary team, and third, uh, to administer loving care, put an action plan in place. But really, the root of caring for and loving your missionaries is found in the church's philosophy of ministry. But unfortunately, uh, a lot of times uh, when you look at church's philosophy as a ministry, uh, one area of ministry that you don't see developed is the area of missions and sending and supporting and caring for missionaries and, and uh, how they're going to go about fulfilling the Great Commission. You can go to church websites today, and a lot of times they don't even have missions listed on their website. Or you, you can go there and you can find their mission statement, maybe doctrinal distinctive, uh, their doctrinal statement, but you don't find anything about a philosophy of missions how they're going to go about fulfilling the Great Commission. And when that's the case, you have a far greater chance of, of the missionary uh, receiving the proper shepherding and accountability and care that he needs to really be successful uh, on the mission field. And so we want to begin by looking at these three steps. The first one is, first of all, churches need to accept their responsibility. It's been said that missions is an effort uh, of the told to get the gospel to the untold. And sending and supporting a missionary is really a team effort. Uh, when we look in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 13, we see how Paul and Barnabas were sent by the Spirit through the local church to preach the gospel and plant churches. And first of all, in, in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, the Holy Spirit said he, sent, uh, he set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work which he had called them to do. And so it was the Spirit who called these men to the ministry and set them apart for a mission that he, had, that he intended for them. And, the, and what's important is that these men were already serving. If you look in chapter 11, chapter 12, Barnabas and Paul were all already out there preaching the gospel. And so the Holy Spirit here is not just calling, you know, he's not calling the, in the third string players to go out and plant churches and take the gospel. He's, he's calling the cream of the crop. He's calling this first string quarterback, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, his best players in this situation, preachers to go out and preach the gospel. Second of all, uh, the missionary was sent out, was sent out by the church. When the church uh, fasted and prayed, laid their hands on them, it says that the text says they sent them away. And churches, if we're, if we're serious about fulfilling the Great Commission in our churches, then we always should have an eye on sending out more missionaries to preach the gospel around the world. Uh, I'll be preaching at a 
a missions conference on Sunday, and the pastor, when he invited me to speak, he said, challenge our people, challenge our young people. We want to see people from our church go out to the mission field. And that's the mindset that all of us should have if we're serious about the Great Commission, if we're serious about fulfilling the mission of the church, which, of course, is to exalt Christ, edify the saints, and evangelize the lost. And when you look at uh, Romans uh, chapter 14, it says, uh, how shall they, or, sorry, Romans chapter 10, verse 14 and 15, you know, how shall they preach unless they are sent? So when we look at missions in scripture, uh, there's two levels of involvement. There's the goer and there's the sender. And the missionary is never to go without being sent. Uh, the senders, and the sender's work is not completed just when the goer goes. No, you, you continue to partner with that person. You continue to shepherd that person. In the Czech Republic and all over the world, there are young people out there teaching English. You know, they get on a plane, they, they hitchhike, uh, they try to teach English because they have a, maybe a heart for the lost, that they're wandering around. We've seen, I've talked to these, some of these people in the Czech Republic. They don't, they don't even know their elder board. Their elders don't even know that they're over there. Uh, they were not sent out. They're, a lot of them aren't even biblically qualified to serve as a preacher of the gospel. Well, in the sense of, uh, as we see in First Timothy chapter 3, and yet they are considered missionaries. Uh, but the church is to send the missionaries, not to be self-appointed, uh, self-sent. Thirdly, we see in Scripture that missionaries are to be sustained, supported. In Philippians, Paul tells them how they supplied him with all that's needed. Second Corinthians, we see that Paul uh, speaks to the church in Corinth about how they fully supplied his need. And Romans 15, 24 Paul talks about he ho hopes and he's anticipating stopping in Rome and seeing the, the Christians there so that they will help him on his way as he takes the gospel to Spain. He anticipated the church would, would participate in supporting his ministry. In 3 John, the apostle speaks of the importance of supporting gospel preachers. So this idea of sending and supporting workers and preachers of the gospel is nothing new. It's taken directly from Scripture. And so when we're when, if your church, you know, sends and support missionaries, there's more than just sending them a check each month. Uh, Lou Priolo, in his book, Serving Ascenders, he lists several le levels of support that you can find in Scripture. He lists that um, preachers of the gospel receive moral support, logistical support, financial support, prayer support, communication support. And it wasn't just sending them some money now and then. So there's many ways in which our churches should be about supporting our missionaries who are serving in, in difficult places around the world. And then fourthly, we see that the, in Scripture that the missionary was sent back. The Spirit brought them back to Antioch, to the home church from which Paul and Barnabas were sent out. And, and chapter 14, verse 26 says, And when they had arrived, and, or in verse 27, and gathered the church together, they began reporting all that God had done with them. And so here we see a church-wide event. All the church came together to hear what the Lord had done through Barnabas and Paul. But how often do we see that taking place today? The entire church gathers for the purpose of hearing the missions report, to hearing what the Lord has done. Then it says in verse 28, and then they spent a long time with them, a long time with the disciples. And so that's a furlough when a missionary returns back and stays for a, a while. And then as Paul did, he went out again. And so when we think about sending and supporting missionaries, it's, it's a biblical principle, and it's something that we are obligated to do as, as churches, as, as Christians, to send and support the ministers that God has called to this very ministry. But if we really want to be faithful in shepherding our missionaries, we not only need to understand our obligations, accept our responsibility, but uh, in, in our churches, we also need to uh, assess our missionary teams. A lot of times... Uh, Churches have an unmanageable number of missionaries. Uh, there's a lot of churches who give their missionaries a smaller amount of support, but they have a large number of missionaries. And then there's churches that give their missionaries a larger amount of, of support, monthly support, but they have fewer missionaries. When one church wrote to its missionaries not long ago and said, we have too many missionaries, please only come once every eight years. If that's your situation, you have too many missionaries. You have an unmanageable number of missionaries. You know, there's no way you can even know all of those people. Uh, if they're coming once every eight years, what do you think the chances are that people in the church know them and are praying for them? If, uh, if a missionary comes home only once every four to eight years uh, and you just see him one Sunday, 
uh, you're hardly motivated to pray for that missionary. You know, we usually pray for people that we know, that we have relationship with, that are on our hearts and minds. And so think about, you know, if you have so many missionaries uh, that if they can't even come home every four, three or four or five years, then you really need to assess your missionary staff. You know, if a missionary has to come back and visit 30, 40, 50 churches, and I know missionaries that have these number of churches, I mean, how do they rest? Uh, they come back to take a beating. They're not coming home to relax and to be refreshed and encouraged and re recharged as Paul and Barnabas. And so, you know, maybe if you're a small church, it's understandable that, you know, you may not be able to afford to give him, you know, most of his support. And so you may give him a, a smaller level of support. But maybe you're a larger church and you have your back wall filled with missionaries, but nobody knows them. Maybe you need to reevaluate how many missionaries you're sending and calculate, you know, if every church gave them the amount that your church gives them, how many churches would they have to have to be sent out to the field? Uh, so these are just things that you need to consider when sending and supporting missionaries. Uh, one missionary friend told me that he counts the number of beds that he sleeps on when he's on furlough. And I talked to him a few months ago. He said he slept on 48 beds in 12 months or something like that. 48 beds. Uh, so uh, these are things to consider. Another, another thing to consider is the classifications uh, of your international staff. You know, we, Scripture, we see sent missionaries. And a lot of, a lot of our churches, sending churches, where we're the, the missionaries are directly accountable to your local church. Uh, they're an extension of your church's staff overseas. Uh, and this, these missionaries receive the highest level of care because they're directly accountable to you. And when these missionaries come home, you know, your, your church, as a sending church, that's their home base. That's where they spend their time. And then there's missionaries that we would call supporting, supported missionaries. And maybe your church is not the sending church, uh, but you view them as a part of your extended staff, which is reasonable. Uh, but you recognize that their primary accountability is to their sending church. That's the church that carries the authority for instructing and guiding, guiding them. But on the other hand, your church can provide a tremendous amount of support to missionaries, uh, not only through finances, but uh, logistical support, prayer support, spiritual, physical, emotional support, partnering with projects, sending missions teams. And so there's a lot of ways your church can be greatly instrumental and helping care for the missionary, rather than just being an ATM machine that sends them money each month that, but has no really regular communication with them. Maybe you have missionaries uh, that you're not, you know, you're not their sending church, but you recognize that their sending church is a failure, kind of like one of the ones I gave an example of earlier, and maybe you want to consider becoming a sending church for one of your missionaries. So when he comes home, he has a healthy church where he can settle down, be encouraged. His wife and children can be encouraged while they're home. Uh, but these are things to think through. And then all, thirdly, international partners. A lot of internationals come to America and they may, maybe get theological training. And a lot of people refer to them as missionaries when they go back to their home country. Well, by the, but by the classical definition of missionary, they're not missionaries. Uh, a, a missionary by the classical definition is one who sent across geographical and cultural boundaries for the purpose of preaching Christ where he's not known. Uh, you know, the, a missionary is one who leaves behind family, his church, his home, his car, his culture, his language, and everything to go across the world to another culture to usually learn a new language, a new culture, and, and assimilate into that society so he can be a witness for Christ. But it, to just call anybody a missionary who's serving overseas in another country is really to cheapen the the definition of the word missionary and it gives people in our churches a skewed view of what missions is and what it actually costs to be a missionary uh, you know for somebody to go back to their home country and to maybe pastor their home their home church or to serve in their hometown would be the equivalent of me going to where i grew up in florida and say i'm going to be a missionary to florida you know we would say well that's ridiculous you know you're in america exactly these people are going back to their own home their own language their own culture and they don't experience a lot of the challenges and trials that uh, expatriates experience when they head overseas. And so our, our purpose in supporting nationals is we want to help them get back to their country. We want to help finance their church planning and help them get their ministry established. But, you know, we don't give them the, the label missionary. Uh, so we call them international partners. We're partnering with them to reach their people for Christ. Uh, so a lot of, a lot of these... Uh, internationals who come over here and they get on missionary status, they get large amounts of support, they go back to their country, 
they're viewed as Americanized. They have way more money than the average national pastor. Uh, and of course, the nationals know, know that. They bring their theological training from America, which is not bad, but you know, they're viewed as you know, bringing American theology a lot of times. Uh, a lot of times, they have one foot in America and one foot in their country. My wife and I was at a missions conference in November, and a national pastor was there with his wife. And <laughs> they said at a dinner time, this is our 21st trip this year. 21st trip. And they had been to this conference every year for 16 years. Well, we've only, in 16 years of ministry, we had only been to that conference maybe three or four times. And we are supported in, in by that church. Uh, and so, you know, we don't want them to be international conference uh, guests. We don't want them to be professional support raisers. We want to help them get back into their country, assimilate back into the culture, and to be seen as Czech or Russian or Mexican or Chinese or wherever the, they're serving. And so we want to help them get established and then decrease support as they pastor a church. The church grows. The church starts supporting them. We want to help them learn how to fundraise in their own country, which we're trying to practice actually in Czech Republic right now with our Bible Institute and things. So they will be self-sustaining, self-supporting, and it'll be a truly, purely indigenous ministry. Uh, so these are things that churches need to consider when you consider the size of your missionary staff. If you're going to be faithful in trying to minister to your missionaries, then you have to have a manageable number, uh, a manageable number of missionary partners, because you, you can't extend yourself so thin uh, that you're not able to be effective. But thirdly, uh, which is what I've been primarily asked to speak on, and that's administering loving care to our missionaries. Uh, the mission field is a very lonely place. Missionaries often face challenges that far surpass things that y you would experience by pas pastoring in America. A lot of them are in very remote parts of the world. Uh, a lot of them are in places where there's maybe millions of people, but they think completely different. They have an Eastern mindset, uh, different cultural traditions. And so they're, very, they're ministering in, in very difficult situations. And so we want to shepherd these missionaries. And historically, uh, I think a lot of churches have, have trusted missions agencies to care for missionaries. And we're not against mi missions agencies. You know, I, I view mission agencies as kind of like the hands uh, of missionary care. And they help them with administrative things, strategy, uh, language acquisition, making contacts in the country, tax issues, social security issues, immigration, visa things that they're more expert in than local churches. But I, I view churches as kind of the heart of missionary care, where it focuses on, it, it over it makes sure that the missionary is receiving that care, from, you know, those other things from the mission agency, but it's also responsible for the spiritual care uh, of the families and their, uh, and, and their material needs. And so I, I view the churches as more of the heart of missionary care, and they're ultimately responsible. Uh, the, the church is not... So uh, not to come under the missions agency. The missions agency is to come alongside and support the church in sending out its missionaries across the world. But as we think about pastoral care, there's really three areas of pastoral care that we are concerned about when we send and support missionaries. Uh, but if you think about it, you know, church leaders in America, pastors in America, they often have pastors, week, maybe weekly staff meetings. Maybe they have uh, elders, elders meetings once or twice a month, maybe elders retreats. And your pastor, pastoral staff and elders, they get regular encouragement. They get healthy doses of sound teaching and iron sharpening. But missionaries across the world, a lot of times they have none of those things. And so what, what are you going to do to give that to your missionaries that are overseas where they don't have any of those, those things available where they're ministering? Well, first of all, we need to consider their spiritual life. Remember, they're serving on enemy territory. They're really serving behind enemy lines in dark places of the world where Satan has his kingdom set up. I, I call the Czech Republic Satan's playground because it's such a spiritually dark place, 70% atheist. Uh, about a quarter of a percent of the population would be uh, evangelical Christians. You know, and we're there to set up a lighthouse in Satan's domain. And so there's going to be lots of spiritual warfare uh, and oppression that they will face. There'll be tax on their marriage. And a lot of times missionaries have no spiritual encouragement. Uh, they may be in a, in a situation where they don't even understand the sermons because they don't know the language yet. And so they might be sitting in church, but they don't understand anything that's being said. Uh, they don't have people pouring into their lives uh, spiritual encouragement, and so they have to feed themselves spiritually. 
So what are you doing to make sure they're feeding themselves spiritually? What are you doing to, to encourage them? Maybe you can send them books or encourage them to, uh, you know, send them sermons to listen to. Or there's lots of things, but, you know, be mindful of that. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of them live in very immoral cultures that bring a lot of temptations that mis- people in America maybe would never experience. Their family life, uh, lots of language learning and cultural stresses. I would encourage you to look on YouTube and watch the pineapple story of a missionary who shares the stresses he experienced about <laughs> just trying to raise pineapples. It's, uh, it's amazing. People looking in your windows at you constantly and just pressures and things that you would never experience here. Uh, a lot of missionaries face persecution or political pressure, harassment, intimidation. Um, you, you know, relocation. We've had to move several times in the, in the Czech Republic. And it's not like in America, you know, you just get a U-Haul and just drive across the country or uh, the next county over. But there you got to deal with, you know, uh, police. you got to register in different towns and the different modes of transportation and financial s- systems and payments and things. And so there's a lot more stresses than to, to something like moving than we would even experience here in America. Children's schooling, also huge issues. Marital pressures. We've seen missionaries leave the field because their marriages ended in shipwreck. Ministry life. Uh, a lot of times missionaries are attacked just because they're an American. Uh, denominations seek to muzzle missionaries and to limit their influence. We've seen this across many denominations in, in our country. Uh, I remember one time in the, the when we moved to the church where we serve now, the denominational president called the pastor and said, don't let Lance preach more than once every two or three months. Don't let them have too much influence in your church. And they, they, some of these denominational leaders will tell you, oh, the best thing a missionary can do in our country is just teach English and share the gospel. You know, they don't want any influence. They don't want uh, any theological changes. And so there's lots of pressures on missionaries. And I've seen missionaries leave the field for this very reason. Uh, relational stresses. I read an article recently. It said the number one reason why missionaries leave the field is team conflicts. And that's exactly why we lost that one family. You know, they came to disagreements on different issues, I- issues that could have been easily resolved had they had proper shepherding and pre-field training, which they didn't have. And it was a tragedy. Isolation. Lots of times missionaries are serving in by themselves. Uh, for years, my wife and I served by ourselves. And I just remember countless times I'd come home and I'd look at my wife and I'd say, I wish there was just one guy I could look in the eyes and ask, what do you think? What do you think about this situation? Somebody who knows all the intricacies of it, but there was nobody. And so we need to recognize these areas of care that our missionaries need and, and to put an action plan in place. And that's what I have for uh, the remainder of our time together. And first of all, it begins by using your calendar. I mean, if you don't plan to make contact with your missionary and to check up on him, it's probably not going to happen. Our, we have two sending churches, Grace Church and a church in Virginia, which is kind of our primary sending church. And we just ma- knock it out on the calendar. One, once a month, uh, you know, the pastor and I, the missions pastor and I are communicating together. But a lot of times missionaries have no communication with their sending churches. Uh, a missionary friend sent me this Twitter post a couple weeks ago. One of his elders was in uh, Europe teaching, and his elder posted on Twitter, a common theme these two weeks from our missionaries. We love our sending churches, but we feel almost forgotten. We need to hear from people back home. You hear that a lot. Uh, but thankfully, w- we are sent from a church that cares. That, and once a month, I Skype with the missions pastor. You know, you may want to use something besides Skype, Zoom or VC, something that's maybe a little bit more secure depending on where your missionary is. But listen to him. Uh, ask him accountability questions. Ask him about his family, his marriage. You know, it's not that you're trying to micromanage him. You're just trying to encourage him and make sh- sure he's staying on track. Uh, respond to their newsletters. Uh, you know, a lot of missionaries, we use MailChimp. And you can see the people, the names of people who open your newsletter. And it says, MailChimp tells me that I'm above industry standard. I think like 42% of people open my newsletters. So that means o- almost 60% of our people on our mailing list don't even open the newsletter. And other missionaries tell me the same thing. And so it's always encouraging when you somebody responds back that there's somebody reading it, somebody praying for us. Uh, there's one senior pastor uh, that of the church that su- of the church that supports us and almost every time he'll just write back one or two sentences keep your hands on the plow or keep moving forward thankful for you praying for you love you just one or two sentences and, and it's hugely encouraging to think that he would take time not only to read our newsletter but then to send just something short like that something encouraging and i, I always look forward to seeing what he's going to say when i send out a newsletter uh, it means a lot 
when you hear from people ba- back home. Uh, also, share with your missionary how you're praying for them. A lot, sometimes we have churches that will write us and say, we're going to highlight your ministry on Sunday. How can we pray for you? Any pray, prayer, uh, prayer requests or praises or updates? Uh, also, birthdays and anniversaries. We have, uh, there's a ladies group at, at Grace Church that when the kids have a birthday, they send them a card with $5 bill in it. And the kids are always so excited to get the $5 bill. A lot, of, you know, a lot of missionaries, wives and kids, they can't work overseas, so they can't make money. And so when the kid gets five bucks, he's like, wow, you know, I got real money. <laughs> uh, also, when the pastor signs a card, that's very meaningful. Uh, holidays, uh, one of our, our missions pastor, he, on Thanksgiving, Christmas, major holidays, he'll write a greeting or send a, a, a you know, Merry Christmas on that day. It's like, wow, on his Christmas day or Thanksgiving day, he actually took time to think about us missionaries and send a personal greeting. That really speaks speaks a lot. Uh, care packages. A lot of, t- you know, of course, uh, my wife and kids love to get care packages. Uh, but some things to keep in mind is uh, ask your missionary about sending packages uh, because there's sometimes uh, for security reasons, you may not be able to send certain things or tax reasons like in Czech Republic. Anything that's worth more than 40 euros, we have to pay 21% tax on. And sometimes we've got packages, I don't even know who it's from, you owe $30. I'm like, okay, I'll take it, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know who it's from or what it is. Uh, but just uh, one missionary told me, don't put the retail value, but put the value of what you would sell it like at a yard sale or something, you know, the value that you could get if you were trying to sell it. Uh, because if you put the retail value, which is probably not what it's worth, uh, then you have to pay 21% tax on that. So that's, that's one thing. Also, maybe let them know that you're sending something. I remember a few years ago we were at a missions conference, and they were talking about security issues and about how Muslims or terrorists are, tar- or, you know, missionaries are a soft target for terrorists and things, and and, uh, you know, encouraging missionaries, uh, you know, to be care- careful of the profile you have online and, and things of that nature. And I remember I was at the church one day, and my wife called and said, hey, we got a package, but I have no idea who it's from. There's nothing written on it. It just says from Belgium. And we heard on the news at that time there was some terrorist activity going on in Belgium, and I said, don't open it. <laughs> and so I come home, and uh, I'm looking at the box, and I said, there's no address, but it says TNT on here. And so I remember watching Bugs Bunny. TNT is like explosives, you know. And my wife and kids literally ran across the house. And so I defused the bomb and found out that it was a, uh, it was a care package from uh, some friends of ours, and it was Belgium chocolates and things. So uh, maybe it would be helpful to just to let your missionary know if you're sending something. Uh, a yearly review. It's also good to have a yearly review of your missionaries. They can kind of re- review what the Lord did in their ministry last year, their family, how they grew spiritually. And some churches have a quarterly report where, you know, respond back. Uh, but always respond to those things. Otherwise, you're like, well, okay, I sent my review, but I don't know what they think, if I'm doing a good job or a bad job or, <laughs> or something. So uh, missionaries like to hear back. And meet their personal needs. Maybe the missionaries, I visited a missionary a few months ago, uh, well, b- back this summer. You know, family has several children, and they had a little bubble of a car. That there's n- their family can't fit in. It only held four or five people. And I said, you need another car. Uh, so maybe your missionary needs help like that. Uh, we had a missions pastor and his wife come and visit us last year from a supporting church and they saw that we had folding chairs around our table so the church bought us dining room chairs uh, maybe they're ki- they have kids in college the wife can't get out and m- get a job to in- make more money and so maybe you can help help in that way uh, maybe there's books or spices or tools that they could use that you could send them or medicine that's not available or homeschool materials uh, but also make a plan to visit your missionaries paul said in first corinthians 16 17 and I rejoice over the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus, because they have supplied what was lacking on your part, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, acknowledge such men. Uh, people often ask me, what, we c- what can we do to encourage you? And I always give them two answers. I say, pray for us and visit us. Uh, it really means a lot when somebody comes and visits you and wants to see your, your ministry, where you're at. Uh, because that increases the likelihood, obviously, of them praying for you. But it's also an encouraging for the wife and kids, for people to come. You know, maybe they bring a bag of candy or something for the kids. Uh, but to check up on them. And here's a list of things, you know, that you can uh, focus on when you visit them to make sure they're, they're well, they're being supported, they're being strengthened in the ministry. You know, maybe they're overworked and they need time off. And you can see that by visiting them. Ask them, what is your strategy for the next five years? What goals do you have in your ministry? What are you working towards? Because like I said, a lot of missionaries are just floating out there, rudderless. And, uh, and they, a lot of missionaries need direction. Uh, also help 
consider the cost when you come. We had a guy who came and said he wanted to serve with us uh, in our church one Sunday, and he came, and then he ended up not feeling so well, and he literally served for about five minutes on one Sunday. And I went, you know, it was a couple hundred dollars in gas going to and from the airport and stuff. I calculated, I told my wife, I spent $500 for him to come to our church to minister for five minutes. And he never offered to pay, help pay for gas or anything, you know. So, uh, so think about those things. Uh, and also meet with their coworkers. You see the people that they're working with. See how, see how they're doing. Uh, also, you can send short-term missions teams. So if you maybe go every two years, you know, it, it's great if you can go every two years to visit your missionaries. If you're a sending church, you should try to visit them every two years. Maybe one of those times can be a, a, a short-term missions team, and another time can just be a pastor and his wife. But it's great to bring your wife to talk with the, the missionary's wife and to encourage her. She also needs uh, encouragement. You know, wives suffer the most. They're at home with the children every day. The men are out preaching and teaching and counseling, which is what they love to do. And the wives, maybe they haven't finished language study yet, or they're at home with the kids and homeschooling in an isolated country. Uh, so don't forget the wives. And then maintain a missions focus in your congregation. Uh, get the whole congregation involved in communicating with and encouraging your missionaries. Uh, loving and shepherding your missionaries really starts in the pulpit. Uh, it, the, the, the pulpit is the pulse of the church. It's the place where you measure the heartbeat of missions in the church. If your senior pastor does not have a heart for missions, you, know, you can have the world's greatest missions pastor, but he's going to be swimming upstream. You know, it has to come from the pulpit. It has to be regular. And that's where the missions focus comes, comes from. Uh, maybe you want to have missions moments. You, you know, now this missionary can pull out his cell phone and video himself and send a greeting, one minute, two minute greeting. Our church in Virginia does that for Christmas. You know, they like each missionary to send a greeting, you know, Vasella Vanoce or whatever, you, however you say it in your language, and they put it all together and share it with the congregation. Or, you know, the missionary can send a testimony, uh, maybe prayer requests. Uh, there's lots of ways that you can communicate in one or two minutes on a Sunday morning. Uh, a lot of churches have prayer calendars, uh, cards with on, on like a key ring, you know, so that you can flip through and pray for the different missionaries each day. Some churches have a notebook, a one page. It has a picture of the family and their ministry and prayer requests. Uh, and be, it's also helpful to have missionary care groups or have a Bible study or a Sunday school class adopt a missionary and then teach them some of the rigors of what missionary life is made up of so they kind of can identify and understand a little bit what missionaries are experiencing and how they can minister to them and pray for them. And then you're going to have to have somebody who, like, holds these people accountable. Because we've had churches that had these missionary care groups, and we've seen most of them, if not all of them, fizzle out over time. And so you have to have leadership that even holds the groups accountable to make sure that they're using their calendar to keep that communication going. Also remember security issues. You can, some missionaries are in uh, very creative access, creative access countries, and so... Maybe you need to use a VPN if you com communicate with them or uh, beware of social media. Pictures, uh, there's been people arrested because a short-term team came, got back, threw a picture on Facebook, and somebody ended up getting arrested or maybe even killed. Uh, ask your missionary about whether it's okay to put their newsletters or, or contact information or ministry presentations online. We actually request our churches don't do that uh, for many reasons. Maybe you want to have mission stations in your church. Maybe you have a hallway where you can put their pictures and prayer cards and newsletters and remind and tell people, hey, this missionary has a new newsletter this week. Remind people to go grab the newsletter. Uh, I, I heard not long ago that uh, Matt Chandler talking about in their church, they actually have a tablet for each missionary. And you go, go, go up and you can see a video, video greeting from the missionary and there's different information, prayer requests, a newsletter and stuff. Uh, so there's all kinds of ways that uh, you can inform your church about what's going on with the missionary. And then I... Uh, I've greatly enjoyed being a part of churches that have yearly missions conferences. You really see the heartbeat of missions uh, strong in churches that have yearly missions conferences. And, and you talk to people in the churches, they're like, this is the highlight of our week, or, or of our year. This is, this is our favorite week of the year. Uh, it's encouraging both for the missionary to go to a church where people love the gospel, they want to see the nations reached, and it's also encouraging for the people to see missionaries come from around the world to share their reports about what God is doing. And then shepherding your missionaries when they come home. Now, this is, sounds to be the, the easiest way to care for your missionaries, but it's often an area in which churches fail and often fail badly. Uh, you can see maybe from visiting your missionaries the need for them to come home, and there's lots of reasons for the return, you know, Acts 14, to give an account, or maybe they need to recharge mentally, physically, spiritually. 
you know, Jesus and his disciples took time to, to refresh. Uh, maybe they need to visit their family. You know, I think some of my kids, my dad died this past year, and maybe some of my kids maybe saw them five times their whole, their whole life. Uh, you know, missionaries aren't immune to the pain from being, s- that from being separated from family. You know, that's, that's hard on the wives and children, even the, you know, the men. Uh, there's lots of reasons, and there's a whole list of him here, of them here that you can, you can look at. But also help them prepare for the return. Uh, well, actually, I was going to say we're back this time primarily uh, because I needed a break from uh, our ministry. And our oldest child was transitioning to, to college. One of our missionary friends, I asked him, you know, as our oldest is a girl. And I said, what did you do? Your oldest was a girl. And he said, well, he said, our, we brought our daughter, dropped her off at the Masters University, and we went back to the field. And he said, it's one of our regrets because she had a lot of struggles and we weren't there for her. So when he said that, I'm like, okay, decision made, you know. Uh, and then we took flack from churches saying, oh, it would be nice if I could just take a vacation when my, when my kid goes to college. And it's like churches don't even understand the cultural differences. And so I, I wrote that pastor back, and he ended up asking for forgiveness. But a lot of times people just don't understand what's involved when a missionary comes home. And so, you know, this list will hopefully help show some of the reas- reasons why people come back. But help them t- uh, prepare for the return, you know, set the dates out in advance, have a six-month checklist. You know, they should be contacting their churches, sending out a newsletter. And, you know, you need to begin work on pro- providing an acceptable accommodation. Uh, one missionary wife told my wife that uh, some of the missionary houses they stayed in are very pr- have been very primitive and far below the standard of living that they lived in on the mission field. Uh, a missionary friend of mine told me that, yeah, he was staying in a house one night and kind of up in the attic of this place, and he could hear the people on the phone downstairs. He said, yeah, we put him up in the attic area up there. You know, he's a missionary. He's used to it. Uh, you know, so, but, you know, uh, pretend that that person is Jesus. You know, what, h- how, would, how would you want to house that person? Uh, you know, a lot of these people are coming back, and you want to provide a place that's livable. A lot, of, a lot of times this missions house can have worn out, old, used furniture that people have discarded. But would you want to live in a place like that? So just be mindful of these things. Are there proper dishes and things that the wife needs for cooking? Uh, are there age-appropriate toys for the children? I was talking to a mi- some missionaries recently. They said, yeah, they, they're in a missions house, but all the toys are for very small children. And what are their kids that are 8, 10, 12 years old supposed to be? Uh, so a lot of times there's board games, but there's missing pieces and things are broken. Uh, you know, <laughs> think about those type of things. Also, reliable transportation. There was a missionary who asked the church one time if they had a vehicle that he could borrow for three weeks that he was going to be in the area. And the church told him, no, but there's a place in Missouri that you can go to 1,200 miles away that they loan cars to the missionaries for free. Uh, Another time, a missionary was told two days before he got on the plane that he has to buy his own vehicle when he comes back. You know, I mean, these are things that you shouldn't hear uh, (laughs) when you're coming home. And so think about these things in advance. And not not a car that he has to be worried that's going to break down in the next 10 minutes. Uh, that has two or 300,000 miles on it. Uh, and again, here's other things that you can consider uh, helping your missionary prepare. And then welcoming them home. A lot of times you hear, well, missionaries are our heroes. Well, do you give them a hero's welcome? Do they get an Acts 14 welcome where the whole church comes together to hear what God has done? Uh, remember, it's a celebration. Their return is a celebration of what God has done through them and God, God done in, in the, through their ministry. Their ministry is an extension of your ministry. You know, you've prayed for them, hopefully, for these many years. You've given them thousands of dollars in support. And when they come home, as one missionary, he was told he has two minutes to pray and give an update. And then the pastor gets up and preaches for 67 minutes. I mean, that's not a way to treat your missionary. Think about what that communicates to the missionary. You know, the missionary comes home with great expectation that people think, you know, people have given me thousands of dollars to be here. They've been praying for me. They know I've been in a difficult situation. And you anticipate that people are going to want to hear what you, <laughs> what you have to share, what God has done. And when you come back and you're told you've got five minutes or you can do it on a Sunday night, you know, when very few people are there, it's discouraging because you want the most amount of people to know what, go- what God has been doing in your ministry. So uh, think in advance about your missionary coming home and announce it in the bulletin beforehand, the day they're back. Have it in the bulletin. Have the missionary come to the pulpit. Introduce him. Praise the Lord for what God has done. Encourage, uh, tell them, the church how long he's going to be there so they have an idea uh, of the time frame and encourage them to invite the missionary over sooner rather than later uh, have allow the missionary maybe to give a one-minute greeting just a, a thank you maybe you want to uh, 
And that's when he's going to preach and present his ministry, maybe have a church lunch that day or a cookout so people can get to know him. And then make, a, make his uh, ministry presentation and preaching a priority. It's amazing how many churches don't allow their missionaries to preach when they come home. I was talking about this with a, a friend of mine. He's like a traveling evangelist. And he said, well, Lance, he said, historically, missionaries have been among the worst preachers. And I'm like, well, in the Bible, the missionaries were the best preachers. <laughs> uh, and I spoke at a missions conference this past fall, and the missions pastor came up to me, and he says, thank you for using the Bible. He said, our missionaries don't use the Bible when they preach. He said, I was, uh, it took me three or four years to, as being a missions pastor to realize that our missionaries aren't preachers. I was thinking, well, why are you supporting them? And if we look at Scripture, the missionaries were preachers. Uh, Paul and Barnabas were the cream of the crop. Uh, and why would you... Why would you send somebody out who can't preach? Why would you send him out to preach behind somebody else's pulpit if you're not willing to let him preach behind your pulpit? If you're not willing to trust him to stand behind your pulpit and preach? Think about that. And, and if they can't preach, then what are they out doing? How can they train men to be pastors and preachers if they themselves can't handle the word of God rightly? So a lot of churches need to re- reevaluate who they are, who they are supporting. And... I'm going to have to have to blaze down. But, you know, plan at a time when most people are there, Sunday morning, maybe for Sunday, cancel the Sunday school hour, and let him have the whole hour to share about the ministry. You can do a Q&A. Maybe the pastor can interview the missionary. And we've done that. People always come up to me and say, wow, I really feel like I know you. Now I understand what your ministry is like. Uh, and then let him preach and, and encourage uh, the church. A friend of mine was just saying that they were back for six months in their church, a church of about 800 people, and it was almost to the end of their time, almost to the end of their stay, six-month stay, and finally he told the missions pastor, you know, we haven't even shared about our ministry yet. I think it's important that people in our church know about our ministry. So they arranged a time, and he said out of 800 people, there was between 16 and 20 people that showed up. Another missionary was four months back bef- in his home church before he even shared or, or preached in the church, and, and when he shared about his ministry, uh, kids came up to his kids and said, we didn't even know you were missionaries. They'd been back already for four months. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of missionaries say, we haven't even met with our elders. They haven't even looked at us and asked us, how are you? You know, don't let that happen. Uh, debrief with your missionaries. Uh, I'm going to have to skip on down here. You know, when they come back, uh, you know, have a time of debrief. So <coughs> you can see how they're doing, their plans for furlough. Engage their interest in their amount of teaching and preaching they would like to be engaged in. Maybe they're just exhausted and they need to take a break for a while. And then stay engaged with the missionaries. The pastor, the missions pastor, other elders, their wives, they should have the missionaries over. Spend time with them. (coughs) Pray for them. Pray with them. Encourage the congregation to do the same. And plan outings with the missionary. You know, go hunting, fishing, golfing, ladies' tea, yard sales, ball games. Chuck E. Cheese, whatever. I mean, if you appreciate the sacrifices your missionaries are making on the field, then love them while they're at home. And then monetary needs. You know, missionaries, when they come back, they're still paying all their bills overseas. And a lot of times they go to churches that the honorarium doesn't even cover the expense of visiting. You know, take a love offering. Meet, meet their needs. Uh, maybe give them gift cards or send them to a timeshare or something so they could just have a few days to get away as a couple. Provide child care for their children. Maybe they don't ever have uh, child care overseas, so... They can go out for an evening or maybe have a weekend getaway or something. Medical, uh, maybe there's doctors and dentists in your church who can help provide care at them at a low cost. Uh, A lot of times they don't even know where to go when they come back. So have a list of doctors and and medical facilities where they can go and get care. And then have them attend your weekly pastoral staff meetings and elders meetings. Missionaries, a lot of times they don't, uh, they're not not around such caliber of men uh, in the countries they serve in. And it's encouraging that, that they feel part of the pastoral staff and, and part of the elders. And it's been encouraging to us when elders have come up to us. And I remember one time I came back to Grace Church, and I was leaving when it turned to elders only. And the elder says, no, Lance, you're a missionary. You're like an elder. You stay. And I was like, wow. <laughs> that was really amazing. It was, it was encouraging. And our Church of Virginia, they always had me come to the pastoral staff meeting and pastoral lunches. Uh, and it makes you feel like you're part of the church because a lot of times you come back, there's new pastors, new people. You don't know, you don't know these pastors. You don't know the people in the, in the churches. And so help your missionaries get to know uh, these new people. Have them attend the missions committees. They have a lot to bring to the table. And assure that they're, 
you know, ministering to youth and children, presenting their missionaries. Those are future missionaries before them. And then make sure they have proper rest. I was just talking to a missionary here, here for Shepherd's Conference, and he said he's visiting 12 churches in 12 weeks. He said he's starting in Alaska, then Washington, California, Colorado, Texas, Missouri, New Hampshire, and Florida, he told me. I said, praise God, he only has 12 churches. So, uh, uh, make, you know, make sure that your missionary isn't growing, uh, you know, isn't experiencing growing exhaustion uh, by too much travel, too much ministry, and not enough rest. So these are things to consider. And then shepherding, as they return to the field, you know, announce maybe in a month, a month out that, hey, our missionaries are going back in a month. So if you haven't met with them yet, be sure to have them over sooner rather than later when they're trying to pack and things. And then maybe you want to have a, a Sunday send-off where the missionaries and the elders come up front and you pray for them help them tra uh, transport their luggage to the airport maybe even pack that a lot of times they have more luggage than they can fit in the car with their family and so they need help getting their things to the airport and we had a encouraging time uh, a few years ago that uh, three of our churches in the area came together they met us at the airport and there was about 50 60 people there kids from the youth group children's ministry ladies at my wife have a relationship and they all came to say goodbye to us and they prayed for us there in the airport. And it was a very emotional time. We couldn't believe that people would take time to meet us at the airport. And I realize LAX, that's not possible. But, you know, maybe you can meet at your church or something. But those are encouraging things. So these are just some things I want to leave with you that you can think about and try to implement in your ministries to encourage and shepherd your missionaries. Because I really believe that if your missionaries have proper accountability and you're guiding them and you're praying for them, they will be more effective on the mission field rather than just floundering around out there and being discouraged. Uh, you can be a huge shot in the arm in their ministry to keep them moving forward. Uh, so I hope this, our time together has been helpful, and I realize we've got to end now, so I'll close in a word of prayer. Father, I just thank you for our time together. God, I thank you for these people, our brothers and sisters of our mine who love Christ, who love missions, and care about their missionaries, and that's why we're here today. And Lord, I pray that maybe these notes can be used in their own churches to stimulate thinking and, and maybe restructuring uh, the church staff or missionary staff, Lord, so that they can be effective in supporting those that you are sending around the world. Lord, we give you thanks for this conference and our time together today, and we just want to give you all the praise and the glory uh, for the teaching that we've received and the fellowship that we've had together. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.